Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Scalping's Welcome to another episode of Small Doses. Yeah, girl, Amanda, I've been on the road, been traveling. I'm leaving on a jet plane. Uh, yeah, I've been moving around with the Black Outside Again tour, and that has definitely been just nice to be in front of folks again, telling these jokes and connecting with folks. But one of the best parts of this has been I've been really working to use my shows as a bridge to audience from as a bridge from audiences to organizers in their cities. And we've tried this out first in Raleigh, and it actually was a really great experience we sourced organizers from rally uh off of instagram and we vetted them and we had with each show instead of me having an opener as a comic i instead had a closer and each show the closer was an organizer from the rally area and they came on stage and spoke to the audience about the work they're doing the work that they want to do and how the audience can help and be a part of it and each organizer was so uniquely different. Um, you know, we had one who is a lawyer and is deeply involved in, you know, getting uh, different types of candidates to the floor. You know, we've always seen the same type of candidates that really are just like getting money behind them because they're already a part of money and not really for the people. And so uh, this individual, Cassie Stokes, like she uh, works campaigns to, she works the campaigns of individuals who are coming from a much more public servant point of view. So that was was interesting then we had um another brother we had a brother come on who's like 21 um and he was telling us about the different work that he's been doing and he's an activist in general but then he also works specifically with an organization that is teaching young black girls taekwondo as a confidence booster um and the results have been apparently just really incredible to see in terms of how it's actually attached to their responding, how it's attached to like the way they're responding in school, the way they're responding at home, et cetera. Um, then we had uh, two other folks, two other sisters. One sister, uh, she was talking about, you know, she works very in the education space and is working with, you know, getting accessible tutoring to underprivileged uh, communities and, you know, really finding that that has been an incredible asset for so many people and so many families. And then we had another sister who she's working uh, she was she got on the ground when there was a giant flood that had really damaged the community and people were stranded in their homes. And she was like, you know, her and some folks got together, got boats and got in that water and went and rescued folks. And it just harkened me back to Katrina and just the footage we were seeing with Katrina. But then she said that they discovered that the water that they were swimming in was actually toxic because there was a plant that had been dumping into the water. And so then her and some individuals also got together to file a class action lawsuit against the plant. They ended up winning. I mean, it's just, you know, it was just really dope to see all these people, uh, relatively young people, who were all focused in very specific areas of organizing that were all incredibly like necessary and valid and seeing the audience really show interest in how they can be involved. And that was the goal was like, 
I know so many of you want to be involved. You want to be active. You want to take this like frustration and guilt and concern that you are experiencing every day and, and, and put some work behind it that at least feels like you're being part of the change that you wish to see. But so often there just isn't any real clarity on like where to get connected to that. And so that's what I was trying to do with this show with these, with, that's what I want to do on this tour with these shows in very real ways. I believe at this point, for me, comedy is more than just telling jokes. It really is a resource and it is a resource for many things, right? Like I've talked about before that comedy for me is not only about like making people laugh, but it also is about helping people to learn and to challenge things. It's also a healing tool. But now with my shows on the Smartphone and Black, um, sorry, now with my shows on the Black Outside Again tour, the comedy takes on a whole other meaning because it the the actual platform itself can be used in a way that I don't feel like a lot of folks have done before but that I hope that we can be mindful of in the future because we are in this, this crazy fucking situation and, and I and you know what I could say like I wouldn't be surprised if like the Dick Gregory's and the and the um Richard Pryor's and like the folks who came before me that were doing this shit in a really tumultuous time I'm sure they were doing this so, you know, we've just been kind of sleep at the wheel. And I don't mean we just a comics. I just mean we as a people. Like, we've been sleep at the wheel for a while. And so there is a definite need to, like, wake up and think of innovative new ways in which we can apply what we already do to what we should be doing. And so that's what I'm trying to do with the Black Outside Again tour by bringing activists and organizers in after my sets. I'm trying to figure out how to utilize what I do to help push forward what I should be doing. And it has been a beautiful experience so far. We're going to keep that going in Seattle and Portland and the cities that are coming up. So, you know, for those of you out there who are organizers or who are in contact with organizers and organizations in the cities that I'm in, please go to amandaseals.com and take a look at the tour dates for the cities I'm in. And then feel free to DM us or use the booking contact on my Instagram or on my website and let us know about, you know, that organization and how they can possibly, you know, come on stage. Uh, we're only doing one a night because we do have limited time, but it definitely is something that we take very strongly and that we're very excited about. And so that's something that I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to. And this episode right here with Erica Ford, Erica Ford is the quintessential organizer. She is the quintessential voice of, of, of a people. And every time I've gotten to be in just like company with her, like you just leave different, you know, you leave different because she's, she's definitely, when we look at history and we look at people like Jesus and, you know, we look at nuns, you know, and we look at saints, they're always described as these people who just like showed up different in the space, you know, like they just had like an immense amount of empathy or they just had this like, like magical amount of compassion, et cetera. And because it's so lacking in so many people, when you see it in someone else, it seems like it's magical. For real. Like, I'm truly of the mind that when you see in the biblical stories, like these um, interpretations of things that Jesus is doing, I think that he was, I don't think he was technically literally doing those things, but I think that he was existing so far into the depths of compassion and empathy and humanity outside of the space that his surroundings were, that it, it, it came across as literally magical because it was so far removed from what other folks on the regular normal scale of things were doing 
doing in that space or that they were demanded of, you know, that society was expecting of them. Erica Ford, I'm not saying Erica Ford is Jesus, but I'm saying that I think that people like Erica Ford exist in that same way where they are connected in a different dimension and a different vibration as it relates to the human heart and spirit. And that is what is illuminating from them and what's allowing them to continue to work regardless of the fact that it's often a thankless job, regardless of the fact that there are so many efforts that are constantly put in place to be obstacles and deterrents. And uh, she said on this episode, she said something where she said to me, you know, Amanda, you know, you are like, she was like, you know, like kind of like you're the bullhorn, like you're, you're the, the, we need people who are like speaking the thing that we're doing. And that was incredible. Like that right there, I needed that because I really do be feeling like, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? I always feel like, am I doing enough? Uh, in my friendships, in my relationships, and, you know, in my humanship, mm, I'm going to go with it. Um, so when Erica, like, anointed me <laughs> with that title, it really felt affirming. And um, I think for anyone who either, even if you aren't an organizer, I think this episode is just, it's very enriching and giving us insight into just how we look at community, how we look at the efforts of organizing and active and activism, you know, how we identify like our role in that process. I always say there is a multi-pronged approach to racism. I mean, there's a multi-pronged approach to revolution. And I feel like Erica has just this uncanny charismatic but very grounded and true way of seeing into people for them to be able to see into themselves she's kind of like ang you know like the last airbender in that way because if you think about ang like he was just always able to like just tap into folks and then they'd be like oh my god and then he would leave their little town and they'd just be like oh my god like i'm a whole new person now because this this last airbender nigga like then really just poured into me with his earthbending and his waterbending and his firebending and his airbending god damn well, that's Erica. Let me find out Erica's the last airbender. Well, you're going to find out right now as you check out side effects of being an organizer. Uh, small doses. Y'all have made this podcast so successful. Thank you so much. When I was in Montreal, like a lady literally walked by and was like, is that Amanda Seals? And she turned around. She was like, it is you. I recognize your voice from your podcast. And I was like, damn, like we would really be listening to this podcast. So thank you to everybody who be downloading and subscribing and leaving us comments uh, and leaving us, you know, um, reviews. It is truly appreciated. And shout out to everybody who has joined the Amandaverse and become a part of the SEAL squad. Your $5 subscriptions have been immensely helpful and supportive. And I'm just so, I just so love getting to make special, unique content to send your way and to have in our little community of safety and of common sense. Common sense ain't common anywhere else, but at the Amandaverse, common sense is a daily way of life. Let's get into this. Erica Ford is going to anoint us. You know it because she always does it. Check it out. I heard a whole thing about that water. I'll tell you later. What did you hear about this water? I heard that it's not really, if you read it, uh -huh. the, the devil is in the details. Okay. Our proprietary process turns water from any process. source. The process? No, it's not really, um, it's processed to be alkaline. Yeah, it's not like from a spring. 
So what is it? So what is it? <laughs> Nothing is easy. <laughs> There's just I got, two. I got four cases of it. <laughs> you know, I got the four cases that somebody tried to, you know, read them fine print. Okay. <laughs> four, four cases. Right. Well, so. I'm going to finish my case. <laughs> and then I'll make the switch. Yeah. Um, folks, you're hearing the voice of basically you're like an omnipotent you're like a you're you're just like this ethereal being i don't even know when i met erica ford i feel like you've just always been here you were on a show or something you were on um you were on one of this talk or no i think i met something i feel like it may have had to do with like the voting stuff no you were on a show what show did you work with on mtv mtv so Way i think back we, then? The kids. we we, we might have brought the kids to a show or oh my gosh way yeah. back then hmm. yeah. what a time Things were so simple then. Uh, in my mind, they were simple because I was all I was focused on was like I can afford coach bags now. So <laughs> that was like I did it. I made it, folks. I made it. But Erica Ford is with us today, and Erica Ford is um, on her Instagram profile titled as a public figure, which could not be a less accurate <laughs> biograph biographical like description than I've ever seen. You are so Erica. Okay. Erica Ford is the embodiment of what I think of when I hear a community organizer. And I know that that is kind of like, a. What's the word I'm even looking for? That term has been thrown around the same way that activist, I feel, has been thrown around. And, you know, I think there's something good for the fact that it it's only being thrown around more because people are actively trying to be more in the mix and working yeah. towards actual things. But ultimately, it's like, what is the actual work being done? How is it being implemented? You know, we're seeing a lot of stuff going on right now with people asking about, like, Black Lives Matter and Tamika and, you know, uh, where's the money from these organizations coming from? Where is it going, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know if anyone's ever challenged you to that because I don't know how they would because I feel like the work you do is so blatantly apparent um, that, you know, I think that level of transparency is what I think is missing in, in terms of particularly like Black Lives Matter. But I would love to spend today's episode just talking about, you know, the organization. Oh, I feel like you've had more than one. And the reason why, I mean, like, you don't just get a day proclaimed by the mayor for just like, you know, putting up a black square on a Tuesday on Instagram. (laughs) So if you could first just tell us, Erica, like, where are you from? And how did this work find its way to you or you to this work? So I am, I was born in California and I was raised in New York City, fully raised in New York City. Um, this work came to me through, I attended, my friend's mother was Viola Plummer and Viola Plummer is like our modern day Harriet Tubman. And I was, we were 
on our way to a party and I saw a flyer on her wall and I was like, oh, I want to go, you know, just <laughs> something to do. Yeah. yeah. But then we hung out all night, so I didn't want to wake up and go, but they forced me to go. I actually um, wanted to go take the police test and become a crooked cop, but then I realized that probably wouldn't work. <laughs> um, and I went to the rally and I got woke. Now it's called woke, right? Right. Well, what originally made you want to be a cop? Or why did you think that was the original, like, plan for you? Because I'm from Jamaica, Queens, and everybody, you know, a lot of the people were drug dealers. And I thought that I could find out when the police raid was coming and I could let them know. And, you, know you know, I could just, like, you know, be fine. Right. I could do my part, you know? Yeah. You could be the by the door and let them know. Like, yo, I'm for the people. I'm for and the people. I was, like, 19. I ain't know nobody. <laughs> So I luckily did not chose that career. <laughs> but um, attending the rally, though, I saw that there was something else to the world, you know, besides driving up and down, tending to parties and chasing drug dealers. And then as... as what is it about drug dealers that we were actually chasing? Money. Money. Yeah. I feel like it's swag. Yeah, but the, the money is what brought the swag, right? I used to right. love the idea... Of I could drive to the avenue, get out my car, go in the store, buy a whole outfit, put it on. Like, <laughs> you had dumb idea. It was dumb. And this is, like, and this is the night, like, this is, like, late 80s night. Like, this is, like, right. paid in full era, right? Yeah, definitely paid in full. This was 87. It was 1987. When- okay, so this is, like, Dapper Dan. Yes. Okay. Yes. Mr. Lee's on in Queens, New York, V.I.M.'s. You know. I graduated from high school in 83, right? And so, okay. um, oh, I graduated. I don't know when I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. Yes, I did. I did. I did. I did. But that was a time. Yes, that was a time. That was a time. That's when, you know. And Grant's so, tomb. Like, these are all things that I only heard about because I was, you know, I am a hip hop enthusiast. So you go to the disco fever. Who's the people who are? Like the popular people, right? That's the the drug dealers. The drug dealers gave life to the rappers, right? Because they invested in them. They invested in the hip hop. And so, and it, it, it was so much money back then. It was so much money. But also with the money came the trauma and the pain and the death and the incarceration. And so when I saw so many of my friends, you know, losing their, their partners to going to jail for 30 40 years or being killed and their children, they, they home angry. Their children is lost and confused. And I wanted to create a way, but plus on top of joining that organization um, came with, I wanted to organize people around giving tools to young people and creating that alternative, being the interface between community and police. Cause a lot of police brutality was very rampant in that days, in those days. Right. Um, and so we, I began organizing. And like you said, I had more than one. I had the Black Consciousness Movement. I had the December 12th Youth. Then I had the Code Foundation with Tupac and others. And then came Life Camp. Um, so I've been doing this for 33 years. And, um, and so in, when you talk about organizing, um, that's, that's my adult life. <laughs> how do you feel, though, like, how do you feel that, because I, I feel like that's not something 
that you, st- well, I guess, no, you do, you stumble into it, but then it like, it gets refined over time. Right. So like, how did it begin for you as an organizer? Cause I know there's a lot of folks listening that have also gotten woke. Right. And then it becomes like, what do I do with this wokeness? Um, and, and to be honest, I've had to ask myself that question. Like, am I doing enough? How can I do more? Like, you know, am I slacking, et cetera, et cetera? Like, what is, what is my purpose? You know? And if you're, if you're anybody that kind of like has any level of consciousness about the fact that we're in a society and we're all here together, then you're going to have a certain level of accountability that you hold yourself to in terms of how you can change, be a part of making things for the better. So like in the beginning for you, like how did this start? Um, it started by organ, organizing, <laughs> by doing, by doing events, right? It started by doing events. It started by holding meetings. It started by learning and educating and training and, and, and being taught on what it means to change the conditions of our people. What is the conditions of our people? Because a lot of people base the conditions of our people on their small world view. And don't understand that there's a big world that we live in. And it's not just your block. It's not just your your city. It's it's not just your country. It's a world out here. Mm -hmm. And so we did a lot of, of traveling, a lot of going from state to state, but not just going... There was no Instagram. There was no social media. There was no, you know, you become- even television. Like the cable wasn't even popping like that. Like to the extent where we have like a hundred and yeah. like four hundred channels now. Yes, yeah, it wasn't popping like that. I think there was a. I don't even know BT. Well, I don't know what was there. I think BT was like eighty, like eighty six. I just know in terms of like outlets where information can be spread, there was such a more limited amount. Very limited amount. And, uh, and let's, let's put on top of the very limited black power, black lives that you, that conversation wasn't happening. It wasn't cool. You were ostracized. You were black ball. You was too left. You was this, that, that, and the other. Right. And so with, so I was labeled, um, you know, uh, a troublemaker. I was labeled, don't mess with her, don't work with her, you know. And so, so you had to, you had to really work through that process. I'm trying not to use the word organized because then, you know, it's like uh, by the time we done, it's like how many times do we say organized? <laughs> but, but, but to study, to you heard how my voice just did that. Yeah, like, that's the. So you had to study, right? And study means what are you trying to accomplish, right? What do you really want to do? Okay, after you've made all the noise in the world, right? After you you did every rally and you got everybody to listen to you, what are you teaching them? Where are you taking them? What are you trying to bring into light, to bring into reality, right? Because you're saying this shouldn't exist, right? People are saying defund the police, um, abolish the police, police this, police that. What are you trying to do? Okay, they're gone. Whoop, you woke up, they're gone. So what now? What happens, right? And so 
we, we I look at myself as a system builder, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm not just gonna, and that's what I was taught, right? When you talk about organizing, you for me, right? You have to be going somewhere. You have to be looking to build something. You're teaching people something to go where, right? And so if if we're saying that this shouldn't exist and I'm going to organize on what should exist and teach you how to build this, right? Mm-hmm. And you start someplace. You don't get to a full police force, right? And in, in day one, right? Nothing happens day one, but you begin a process, right? And so... In 1987, we began a process. In 2007, I'm going to say, I might be wrong, but in New York, we were able to give life to a system that had people who were violence interrupters and outreach workers and health workers and, you know, confronting and identifying high-risk individuals and working and changing conditions in the community, you know, as as a system in New York City Mayor's office, right? Mm-hmm. And, and prior to that, it was the ground working, the ground swelling, the building of those people who can fill that in and also, you know, um, do the work to change people's mindset that it needs to happen. So then those elected officials that were in office at that time were the people who were on the ground who you were identifying, changing their mindset so that they could go in and vote yes or vote this or vote that, right? Right. So so there's a full process to, and that's just a piece. Well, yeah, because you're starting at the root. You know, I think that what you're saying is so compelling because it really does feel like sometimes, like when I see defund the police, I know that, okay, the mindset is that we need to defund the police and, or we like, that needs to happen. We need to defund the police. And the idea is that those funds will then be rerouted into resources to make our communities stronger so that our communities, one, don't need to be policed in the same way. And also so that we as a community are stronger in our ability to police ourselves, right? And to police each other. Right. And, but even with that. Who's there? Who is there? Who is then what community to give those funds to? Exactly. What is, is their infrastructure yeah. to get those funds? Exactly. Who's there? Right? You can't just go screaming something without the ability to make it happen. Because what you do is you create something worse. You create something worse, right? You have to be interconnected in the building if you're going to destroy. And a lot of times we are into the destroy, 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 and not into doing the work to build. And that's, that's, it's not going to be successful for us. Right now, we got the White House to have the conversation about putting millions and billions of dollars into people who do this, who does People who do this work on the ground, right? <laughs> and so now we're like, okay, who's out there? Where are you? What is your capacity? Because we're not going to just go get Pookie. Yo, Pookie, when you got your setup over there, yo, yo, they got checks over here. No, nah, that's not what's happening, right? You got to have a sound organization that's been doing this work for a long time and have the infrastructure to take funds in to expand, right? And, and that is work within itself. Because you know, the, the nature of our oppression 
puts us in a space where we're not building these institutions in our community. You know, and and that is what we need to do. We need to own buildings. We need to own businesses. We need to be building and 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 uh, I was trying not to say organizing, but <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so and 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 so when you look at this, somebody called me an activist the other day, and and, and I can't. I don't like the word anymore. Yeah, no, because it's just. It's kind of just become like people who talk really well about the problem. And they need it. They're, they're needed. Right. Because, like, I know, like, the contradiction, I... The contradiction is that, and, and I will put it to, like, okay, if it's basketball, right? And I talk very well about basketball. You're not going to hire me or give me the money to play on the basketball team or to put the basketball team together or to coach the basketball team. I'm going to be the announcer. <laughs> right? I'm going to be the announcer. That's an amazing <laughs> analogy. Yes. I'm going to be the announcer. The, the person who has got the mic and is making the noise and, and, and you know, they're getting the checks to build the infrastructure and that's not happening. And see, that's like, that's why I've had to like distance myself from that title because I'm like, cause I had people telling me like, you need to help Biden's camp. And I'm like, no, I don't. I haven't done the work that is going to give them the information that they need. There are people who have actually committed right. to getting this data, who have been on right. the ground and can tell you explicitly, this is where this funding needs to be put because I have done these studies and because I have talked to these people. I was like, and all I am is somebody who's able to, I hope, inspire folks to either support those folks or become those folks. Right. The answer. <laughs> you also you also give us a break when we're at 900 right because then we can turn you on yeah and, and i can be like all right guys let's sing you know like i can do a multitude of things that can give you guys a break let's do the electric slide before i let go <laughs> you know I, I but i have had to like erica when i tell you i've had to like really like soul search yes, for like where my role is in this. Because on one hand, I know my limitations, but then on the other hand, like I know my expectations and it's like, yeah, but you have limitations in where you can achieve these expectations. And so like, how do you become a vessel? Me and Charlamagne talk about this all the time. And Charlamagne's always like, Erica Ford, yo, Erica Ford, Erica Ford. Let me tell you about Erica Ford in the van. And so we're going to talk about the van. <laughs> um, but I think that's so dope what you just said. And I think it's really important for those people who do consider themselves activists who are getting those checks to, to, to have the self-awareness to say, nah, but I can point you at these people. Right, right. You know, and, and, I, and, and be able to really like, identify that i mean i try to i really have been wanting to just get people more aware of just different organizations because i feel like we have a very like you know this 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 
America is a popularity contest for everything. Yeah. So it's like the ACLU. Yes. Black Lives Matter. Yes. And, and that's it. Like, and, and like the American Red Cross. Otherwise, people are like, I just don't know where else to put my money. NAACP. Don't forget them. NAACP. And, but there's so many organizations that are on the ground that are local. Yeah. And I think when we talk about, remember, like with the voting, I think a lot of people, for particularly in this election, got to be more, maybe it's just me, but I just feel like they were more aware than ever about like the importance of local elections yeah. and how it's not a top down, it's a down yeah. top, it's a bottom yeah. up situation. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's the same with organizing, right? Like, yeah, you're giving to the ACLU, but you got organizations in your hood. Like yeah. in your actual neighborhood. And what the ACL, so, so I'm going to give another, no. so one of the things when in the organizing, right, I never look at doing something by myself, right? No one man, no one woman, no one organization can do anything, right? Because our people are complex. And so even when I was in high school and in college, right, I would bring all the clubs together, hmm. right? I brought all the clubs together. Because I know the basketball, the jocks, they got all the numbers, right? Yep. And so they would bring that. The, the, the talent show, they, the, the dancers, they could put on the show. The political people, they can do the rally. And the, the, the cook, the, the baking club, they can cook the food. <laughs> I, I literally brought all the groups together. And so the same thing in building the, the, the New York City crisis management system, it's 26 sites and over 60 organizations that work together. So if there's an organization like BLM or NAACP or the New York Urban League, stop sucking the oxygen, right? Don't suck up all the oxygen in the room. Bring other people in the room mm -hmm. to get the oxygen. And this is what I mean. If you have a site in Mississippi, I'm just using that as an example. Who are the other groups in Mississippi and what do they do? What can you invest in from the BLM perspective to support mm. the mission and vision in this city, right? Because what else is it about? Because when you, everybody's, I can't breathe, right? We still can't breathe. We still can't breathe. So how do you get oxygen to the people, right? When you talk about last night, somebody got shot, right? So then therefore... You got to work with the victim, the perpetrator, the people who were impacted by that trauma, the situation that gave rise to the situation, what is happening with the victim, right. is there a funeral need? Like, there's a lot of different things that have to happen around either preventing the system or its response, recovery, mitigation, intervention. Like, there's buckets that we can all fit from our lane. Yeah. There's buckets. And so when you look at us, we use Tamika as a voice. Yeah. Right? Tamika was a voice to go out there, raise the thing and, and, and get people to invest. We had a brother AT who worked with an AU. He worked with people in the streets. AU is our chief of streets. So he works with the police. When there's an incident, he goes, he did like, I've seen him literally stop a police from taking out their taser gun, could have mm -hmm. took out the wrong one based on the other lady, right? Right. But, and, and tasing someone. I've seen him remove a whole precinct from a situation from negotiating, wow. right? 
And so that's a level of respect and, and training and discipline that you have to have. You can't just say F the police. You have to be trained with the discipline to stand in community and protect community or direct community to one, diffuse the events that bring them into our community or stop them from responding to an event and have the trust that you are going to deal with the situation. Because many of times they've called us and said, y'all deal with it. Right? But isn't it also fuck the police? A lot of people say fuck the police, right? Ice Cube said it. Right? No, but um, all young people, all all young people say fuck the police, right? Is but, it but, is it more accurately fuck policing? So listen, the police system exists right now. Yes, they're not going anywhere. They exist, right? And so, in order, DMX's thing. Let's use DMX's. So they oh, called, right. they wanted to do a motorcade. And I saw, and so listen, I saw on your Instagram, you were like, thank you to this police officer, thank you to this precinct. And I was like, I gotta ask Erica about that because you thanked them. We're gonna use two examples, right? In order, so they called Erica, yo, you think you could hook us up with da 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 so we can do da 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 da? So if I don't have a relationship, I can't bring anyone to the table. Right? right. And so we were able to work with them historic. I've never seen it before. A why do you day, think why do you think that they were so compliant? Years of work and respect. And then they, they also are DMX fans. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. So but but we will I, like we have a level of respect. We have a level of respect. And so even like we when you talk about like the, the Breonna Taylor situation where they raided that house, we have stood in front of doors and stopped them from barricading and knocking down the door and negotiated, let her open her door. What are you looking for? Go in, the three of you, look at, don't tear her house up because you know how they tear houses up. Yeah. Right? And so these type, and that's just, that's but a- how. In the situation of you all being able to prevent the police raiding somewhere, like what is the order of events that even allows you all to get there in time to prevent that? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, the person, um, that's a good question. I think we might've just, for the two situations, I think because we work in the hot spots, we're there. You're and there already. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when they come, we're there because you work in the areas that have the highest potential for these type of situations. And so I think we were there. I think um, another one, you know, the person on the inside of the house might have called or the police. I know there was one for an emotionally disturbed person. The police called. Right. And and we were able to talk the person out of the house without you know, situation. And it was an elderly person who I think just didn't take their medication and, uh, you know, needed some the, assistance. They yeah. was tripping. There's, there's different, there's several different types of situations. But see, to that point, that's why when I say fuck the police, what I mean is the what police, I mean is. what I mean is they are not, they are overused. Yes. And they agree. I mean, I just, I just feel like part of the defunding the police in my 
and this is, of course, non-expert opinion, is I don't think we need as many motherfucking police. Like, there's just so many police that are employed and they don't, and so thus they have to be deployed. And for reasons that are simply just beyond their scope of ability, of tr- beyond their training, beyond their capability. And that's why you have people, in my opinion, coming at situations with force simply because they don't even know any other conceptual way or they haven't, or, and if they did learn it, it's not repeated learning. Right. Because like, I mean, my mother was a nurse forever. She always had to do CEUs, like continuing education credits. Police don't got to do continuing Asian education credits. You know, the training is their training and they keep it moving. And I mean, they have to like go back and shoot, but they don't have to go back and like re up on, they're not held accountable like they should be in re-upping on the training that allows them to deal with humans. Right. Like they just, re- they just deal with guns. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if they just deal with guns, but they, they don't deal from a place of compassion. No, I do. when I say deal with guns, I mean like they have to, I know they do have to re-up on their like sharpsman training. training. Used yes. Yeah. But what I can, from my um, non-expertise, position as well um one of the things that i see the most is that most of the people on the front line are in a space of fear in terms of as police officers correct on both sides on both sides right now this is going to be the springboard of conversations oh this is going to be it right so (laughs) when you look at a police officer coming to a scene. It's a young, white, black, Spanish, blue, green, right? Person who only interest is to go home safe. Has no idea really how to deal with the person. That, that guy that came to that situation with that young girl with the knife, his okay. immediate reaction was to grab a gun. Right? From, but like he got out of the car with his hand on his pistol. And in the the body cam footage, he was like on the way there and he kept trying to like sip from an empty Gatorade bottle. And that already let me know he was off. (laughs) (laughs) Like there's nothing in the bottle. Like, Yo, I I, I had a, we had a situation. The girl had a knife in one hand and a bottle of bleach in the other hand. And, and she's got 25 girls behind her in a straight up brawl, Right. And and we broke the situation up, right? No gun, no weapon, no bulletproof vest, no, you know, because we went in with, with love and compassion yeah. for these young people. Right. There's been many situations where we go in, and I'm not ad- advising anyone to do this. Some of the times I think we're nuts, right? Where people had guns drawn, right? And and you know, you talk them down. Right. The objective is to talk people down off the ledge and you can't talk someone down off the ledge if you are not connected to that person. Right. Or if you don't have the compassion to really want to save their life. And I well, think if you're not grounded, you know, like because like you said, like that fear prevents you from being grounded. No, let's go back to. This job definition, right. Right. Because this person went in a play as a kid. He wanted to be the police. officer. they played cops and robbers. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be the police officer. He went to go get a job. Right. 
His job now is codependent on caring for someone who he really has no idea about or cares about. How do you care about somebody you don't care about, Mm. right? And so they're getting all of these resources and all of these funds and so on and so forth, but it's built around armyism, right? Not compassionism, right? Because if you're going into, because what are you doing? What are you there for? Protect property, right? Ultimately, yes. I mean, even the even even policing as an onset in terms of returning slaves to Massa, slaves were property. <laughs> so that's what it was. And so the whole the, when you talk about redoing a system now in in New York State, they've asked the officers and sheriffs and so on to reimagine policing and submit and. But if we're going to reimagine policing then you really got to reimagine the interrelationship on protecting people yes. and care and, and creating safety. And what does safety look? So that's why when you look at the alternative in people investing in I can't breathe or killings or force use of force and so on and so forth, you can't necessarily just go throw money at an organization or a person that has the biggest microphone, right? You have to look at changing the dynamic of how we exist in our community. Yes. Right. And so that's restructuring around economic development, around poverty, around food disparities, around education, but it's building a system of structure that we all can do it together. Because when we have organizations that are competing against each other for dollars or ego or cameras or this or that, then we don't really work together to change the fundamental problems in our community. We work to get what you think they got that you're supposed to have. And you can't work from that perspective, which is the perspective that most people work from. Because it wouldn't be no problem. See, when I say I have a problem with what, where some of the money goes, it is because there's something that I see needs to be built and I'm working to build it and I wish that we could get more resources. Right, and you're like, I know y'all got it and right. you're sitting on it versus... I want to pay myself... I mean, I don't even want to get into that conversation because it could spring a lot of um, springboards. Because- I mean, I think there's... A, I think there's- this is my thing about about because that. The police in, in in if you look at New York City, right? Mm-hmm. The police budget is I think six billion dollars. It's in bananas. Our budget is forty three million dollars. It's twenty six sites across the city, and like I said, over sixty organizations that work together. And and so we work. Anytime people come, like the shooting that happened yesterday. It's way out of our target area. But because we are who we are, we're still dealing with that shooting, right? Because we don't want to see retaliation and and so on and so forth from these different incidents because these are children's lives, right? And if we know, and so that's why in our area when this summer gun violence was at a record high, 
in our area, most of those holidays, we didn't have any shootings, you know, um, at all, because we worked with the police, with the shooters, with the sets, with the crews, Mm -hmm. with the street interventions, with the peacekeepers, with every single entity. And like, yo, we gonna have a safe weekend on July, Memorial, Labor Day, we gonna do this. So what you need? Okay, you need money for Pookie, you gotta take Pookie out, out of the state for this weekend, then you take, here you go, you take Pookie out, don't bring Pookie back until, (laughs) you know, because you gotta create alternative ways in which you can resolve your situation. And there's no one size fit all. There's no one size fit all. You know, you gotta be creative and the resources are needed to do that. The therapeutic services and wellness, when you get to the Peace Mobile, we drove the Peace Mobile around the entire weekend. The entire- so tell us about the Peace Mobile because Charlemagne always tells me about the Peace Mobile. And, you know, I have yet to experience like the the greatness of it in person. So take us, take us there. So when you when you enter the Peace Mobile, it is the um first of all, this is the Peace Mobile. Okay. Peace is a lifestyle. Yes, and right the now, peace sign. I'm like, this is dope. The rims is done, so the rims are the, <laughs> the rims are. It says peace is a lifestyle on there too. It's a 35 foot recreational vehicle uh, in the front. When you walk in, you smell the lavender because you know it's aromatherapy and getting you engaged. Uh, then you have an area where we attempted to do a podcast, but. Um, we're too busy doing everything. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but we have a kitchen. We call it Kepper's Kitchen because, you know, Kepper brings that whole wellness and therapeutic services to life camp. And it teaches you how to eat more uh, alkaline than acidic because we know what you put in your body is helps control what you put out your body, whether it's your behavioral norms or, you know, your behavioral norms. And... Right. Um, then you go into an area, we have like a living room area with um, a fireplace that has like light therapy and don't let me bore you because I can't store you. I want to restore you. I'm See, yawning I because you. See, I had a shoot for Insecure but my call time was 7.30 p.m. and I didn't get on set until 3.45 a.m. I'm about to set... so. You want to tell us? But anyway, let's go back to the piece. <laughs> I would love to tell you how it ends. I don't know. <laughs> they ain't wrote the damn episode yet. Nobody knows how it ends. We're like, any day now, we'd any love to day. know. I but, mean, I told Issa if she doesn't end up with Lawrence, this this has all been a waste of time. Um, but, and, but I digress. So you're in the Peace Mobile. Serenity now. Serenity, the lavender, the alkaline, acidic kitchen, Kepper's kitchen. We have a seating area with, uh, comes out. We have families who lost their loved one. We do healing circles on the Peace Mobile. Oh, wow. um, we do one-on-one therapy in our midsection. We use it as a multi-purpose type of room with the computers for, you know, computers. We've got the virtual reality glasses and the video games, Xbox Five and all of that. For the kids. And then we got a punching bag. So if you need to just get it out instead of going to shoot somebody or fight, just get it out. Just get it out. Punch the punching bag. Then we have a full studio, full recording studio, paint on beats. You can just, you know, get it out that way, you know, take it off the dome. Mm-hmm. 
and and spit it into, or you just want to go in the booth and scream, you know, whatever it works. We got speakers on the top so we can have block parties or, you know, all of those. Or be a part of the West Indian Day Parade, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So just, so how does one access the Peace Mobile? Like, is it just kind of like they happen upon it or do people like set appointments? Like, how does that work? So, so it comes to neighborhoods and when it comes to neighborhoods, then you can get on it. Um, we have events. We have it. All people can come to life camp and yeah, they want to bring the peace mobile to their neighborhood. Like we took it to Baltimore after the killing of um, Dante Boxdale, the young, the family from the wire. Mm-hmm. The children got killed recently. And so, um, you know, we do take it places based on uh, people calling and asking for it. But on a whole, where it's hot is where it goes um, to help provide people with the therapeutic services and wellness and do events. Like we had it at the DMX event to work with crowd control. We take it to funerals to, you know, support families in their time of grief and just give them a space where they could go. We go to the hospital when shootings happen to, you know, because with COVID people can't go inside yes. of the hospital. And so it's it standing outside, you could sit in there, get a tea or, you know, we have therapists, social workers, credible clinicians, they can do one-on-ones with different individuals. So there's a variety of different ways in which the Peace Mobile yeah. serves the community. So in terms of life camp, like how would you describe the organizing that you all do? Um, Most of the organizing that we are doing right now is around violence prevention, right? And so it's organizing people on how to find other tools, how to help heal yourself, how to Mm -hmm. identify situations in other individuals that might be around you in a party, in an event. How do you diffuse it? How do you de-escalate? How do you divert attention? How do you buy time? So it's all around, you know, really- Conflict healing. resolution. Yeah, conflict resolution, conflict mediation, healing, therapeutic services, and then, you know, leadership development. So it's training young people how to be leaders, how to organize events, how to organize um, teachings, how to organize- all of the different things. How to organize organizations. How to organize organizations. <laughs> you know, and, and you say that because one of our parents who lost her, her son to gun violence, she worked as an employee and then we worked with her to train her. And now she has her own organization. Where do we go from here? Right? And so she went from a victim to an employee, uh, CEO. Right? And so, and that's what it's all about is how do you level up, right? How do you level up? Because I get annoyed when I hear people say things. Well, first of all, the black on black crime argument is always irritating. But I've I feel like I've been seeing a crime. lot. Of, it's not black on black crime. It's crime. It's crime. Right. Because there's humans that live in proximity to each other, and that's a natural reaction that's going to happen, right? Um, but when I hear people particularly speak to it in juxtaposition to y'all only care about cops. But black, no one's saying anything about black people killing each other. And I'm just like, 
there are organizations that are completely and wholly dedicated to the holistic changing of our community's thinking around violence and the understanding that a lot of the ways that we are treating each other has been inherited from the oppressor. Correct. Correct. And the reason why we do a lot of the things is because of the oppression, is because of the lack of resources for quality food, health care, um, living in conditions that uh, stimulate consistent trauma to individuals and, and so on and so forth. And so, you know, we try to change the generational trauma to generational wealth, you know, and build that. We have young people investing in stocks. We have them in saving their money in, in banks and learning how to open up bank accounts. We have them building their own businesses, being entrepreneurs, investing in their businesses, teaching them how to you know, do the paperwork, how to get investors, how to raise money, you know, and so all of those things. So we can build young entrepreneurs. And now with the legalization of marijuana, you know, there's a whole uh, a whole other space and time to excel in. Because they were excelling in it, and then you call it a crime, and you incarcerated them. You brought trauma and and into their family and into their life by putting them in jail, taking them away from their family, having the family have to go back and forth, put that financial strain on the family. And then 10 years later, oh, yeah, okay, actually, forget about it. Well, that's why I feel like when people talk about, like, what is criminal, I'm just like, there's two types of crimes. You know, there's there's crimes of humanity, and then there's crimes of society. And society creates what is a crime. You know, like, why is it a crime worthy of, you know, I don't know, a ticket to not have your blinker on? (laughs) when you change lanes in one state, but then in another state, it isn't a crime. And so like, is this person a criminal only in Texas, but not in California? Like death, you know, murder, abduction, assault. Like these are things that are crimes of humanity, but like prohibition is a whole thing. (laughs) And now everyone's talking about wine. (laughs) And so here, I feel like we are witnessing that with marijuana. By the time that I leave this earth, if I'm here for another 30 years, I'm going to see, I mean, shit, I live in California. Weed out here is like wine. I know. I mean, I, I, by where I live, Erica, when I tell you within the last three years, there is the same amount of weed spots as there are dog groomers. <laughs> yeah, so that's a big thing. <laughs> like, and I live in LA, so you know the yes. dog grooming is. Yes, I know. I'm talking every. If I think about it, every if I go down a mile on the main road by where I live, there has got to be at least five weed spots, and I don't even smoke, and I know that. Exactly. Exactly. So it's just, and I remember going to a organization meeting for our brother, sister soul when I was in New York, uh, because they were up in Harlem by where I used to live in Harlem. Yeah, yeah, good brother. And they had they had like a community meeting about uh, marijuana laws, and this young woman had come to basically just talk to whoever showed up about like the truth about marijuana laws. Cause that was at the time when it was like, New York makes marijuana legal. Like that was the headline. And she was like, that is not true. <laughs> and I need you to know that 
because that's going to cause a lot of problems for our people. And I was just like, I mean, I, I, I was just beyond, it was just beyond me to find out how misled we all were in terms of the ways in which, you know, this information gets dispelled. And so in the work that you're doing, how much of that is also around like knowing your rights and education about that? Yes. And I'm going to show you, um, for example, how that's important, right? The young, a young kid thinks that it's legal, right? Because they said it's whatever. They get a ticket. They don't pay that ticket. Mm. They get pulled over because that law in New York says you can't flicker. You were supposed to flicker, mm -hmm. right? And so they get pulled over. It's just a little stop, right? right? They run his name. He got a warrant. Why does he have a warrant? Because he got a ticket for smoking a joint in the park, right? And so this little ticket now turns into, because that young man, Dante, right? They pulled him over and they said yeah. he had a warrant, right? And then it was for some garbage. But this is how this stuff happens in our community, you know? And so definitely we do, we have lawyers. Forget about legal rights. We have, we do legal rights and we have lawyers. So when a lot of times when you get arrested, we're going to send a lawyer to invoke your rights so that you don't say something so that you can get a just process, right? Because a lot of times they get these young people in the precinct and then they start talking to them. Young person is scared. They start saying anything. They indict themselves, their grandmama, their sister, and they nobody do nothing, right? And so we we put a lawyer on immediately. And so that is where some of all that lawyer money that's going to the NAACP legal, bring them lawyers down here and let's provide them on a consistent basis, 24 hours in these hoods for these young people, right? That's when you're talking about leveling the playing field of just information because they need it. These kids don't like they, it's just a different level of where we are because of the oppression that we live under, right? They not getting educated in these schools. And then they smoking so much marijuana that, and then they on the pills and the marijuana, right? Drug addiction is a big thing. And drug addiction comes from the trauma. Because what are you smoking? Like, it's not just recreational, mm -hmm. right? It's something that's hurting inside of you that you don't know how to deal with. And so the way in which you deal with it is you go smoke. And you just high all the time. All the goddamn time. I mean, and I had a homeboy who, if he was out and felt himself coming down, he would go home. Right. Like, but we'd be out like in the middle of like a, an event or like a thing, you know? And he'd just be like, nope, my high is going down. Gotta go. Because he just was like, I don't even want to exist in the world without being high. And I know that I know that our communities, our communities are just, we're dealing with, like you said, we're just dealing with things that others are not in, in such a less than tangible way. Like, I think some people think, you know, specifically just on the surface, but when you're talking about like emotional trauma, and I love hearing you talk about the fact that you guys are really organizing around teaching like these ways in which we have to think differently, not just get money differently, you know, and not just police differently. It's like, no, you actually have to move 
differently as a human. I mean, like when I created Smart, Funny, and Black, it was literally because I felt like as a community, there just seemed to be, I just started to notice that there's like way more people than I ever thought who didn't consider there to be an actual Black culture. Correct. And I'm like, but our culture is our community. And so like with the show, I aspire to inspire community by showing and demonstrating like look at the ways in which we share culture like all of us in this room are laughing at this joke because this is a black joke (laughs) like this is a black joke like the people who are here that are not black don't get this because it's not a part of their shared culture and it's fine for them to experience it but like you're of it and that means something and that's something that we have to protect and I'm I'm trying to You asked asked the question about DMX, right? I said, why would they do that? Like, why why did the police do that, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of the things is they know DMX is a a writer. He's a writer. And so people are going to ride, right? They're going to ride. And so how do we... and, And so I just had a situation with them where a young writer got killed in my community. And the police came and I'm telling them, I'm like, you got, he's a writer. So bikers are going to come out. They approach the situation from not understanding our culture. Right. Mm. And so when people die in our community, for some reason, everybody goes to that place and they drink because they want to hide and pour their pains away. Right. They don't want to deal with the loss of that individual. They want to, you know, they drink. And so they're drunk, they're in pain, they're traumatized, they're hurt, and then here comes the police, right? And so you have this on this, and it's not going to work, right? And so what we say to them is that you have to use us, right? Allow us to deal with our community. Yeah. What they did is they came and they snatched the individual off the bike. Because he was doing a donut, which is what we do. Yes. You're a writer. You, you're getting a donut. You're getting a donut in your name. That's what they do. Whether it's, I don't understand it either, but that's not my life. It's not for you to understand. <laughs> right. <It's> like... <laughs> and that's what we told them the other day. You just might have to sit there and say nothing. And not nothing in your head. Don't question it. Don't not just say nothing. Because that's what partnership is. It is respecting my process. Mm. And sometimes they were like, well, take it to the rally, the protest, right? How long do we let them protest? As long as they want to protest, they're not killing anyone. <laughs> they're not. Like, let them, that's what they want to do to get their pain out, right? That's how they want to show, express, feel, leave them alone. That's it. Leave them alone. If you want to protect that store, you stand over there by that store. (laughs) Stand by the store, protect the store, but leave the people alone. Because the moment you show up in some riot gear, the moment you stop trying to block the street so that they can't ride their bikes, you're interrupting their process. Mm -hmm. And so that's disrespect to them. And they're going to pop off. You're going to pop off. And what you going to have? Right? And so... We have got with, we got with them. We're like, let's organize prior, right? We know such and such got killed. 
we are going to close this area and allow them the, the ability to express their pain, right? And so that is the negotiation with, they want to ride from Yonkers to Brooklyn. How do we make it happen? They rode from Yonkers to Brooklyn? Wow. For those of y'all who don't know, that's a stretch. Like that's... Did they, take, what, did they go down the West Side Highway? They went down to Major Deegan to really? the Grand Central, to the, to the Triborough. Yeah, to, but did they go down? No. The Yonkers, they got right on, what is that? Um, the, the, the cross. The, the FDR? Well, they, got, they went on the Cross Bronx. Cross Bronx to the Major Deegan, to the Triborough Bridge. Right. Then, oh, they were okay. So they didn't go through Manhattan. No. Okay, I was gonna say like I, what? So they went. Okay, so they went from Wyo through Brooklyn and down. I get it. I mean, sorry, through Queens and down yes. to Brooklyn. Yes. Yes. But I mean, I saw those numbers. It's just, it was incredible what y'all were able to to put together. And I, and I'm listening, and I'm hearing you. You know, I'm hearing you in in terms of talking about partnership and. And um, you know, the leadership and the discipline that that requires. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Like at this point, I'm just so av- like my aversion to the police is so emotional. Correct. Um, which is also why I'm not an organizer. Yes. <laughs> I am an announcer. All right. Next up on the set. We got <laughs> I love that. That analogy just made my whole life make sense. I am an announcer. <laughs> I got a job already. <laughs> I know my role. Thank you very much. That wasn't an easy task. Like, you know, working with the, even like there, there was, I would say, let's say 10, I'm going to say 10 police on NYPD who got it, understood it. <laughs> oh my God. There was only 10? It wasn't like it wasn't it wasn't like everybody understood it, like everybody got it. But those ten worked with their people, right? To either understand it or get or out, go, right? Get out the way, because we're doing this, right? And so it's a process. It really is, and I'm not, I'm not thinking all of this is a process. We are in an oppressive state as Black and, and Latino, or however we define ourselves people in America. We are in an oppressive state. I'm not denying that, mm. right? And in order to train, change that, we got work to do. And it's work. It is organizing our people to do and live and see the world in a different way. It's yes. not going to happen. You know, we got to stay in the streets. We got to keep pressure on, you know, but we also got to do the work at home. And that's two different groups of people. Because you can't be outside and organizing at the, you know, like you organize the rally. You like any there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's enough work for everybody, but we all just got to be going to the same destination. The script. Well, we have a segment on the show called the script, 
where we provide our listeners with, you know, some supplementary supplementary materials to go to the destination of this episode. And in this episode, you know, we're talking about organizing and we're talking about ways in which folks can be active. So for you, um, what do you, what would you suggest either in terms of other organizations that you feel like people can be involved with, or I think an even maybe an even more useful way of using the script today, which is kind of like unorthodox for us, but would just be like, what are ways in which people can organize as for themselves? Cause I think there's, I, I, I know my audience is a very quote unquote conscious audience. I don't mean that they only listen to dead Prez and Talib Kweli. I mean <laughs> that they're there. I don't even like the term woke. They are just aware You know, they're aware of what is out here and that they're a part of it, whether they like it or not. So how can they, and, and I, and they're also aware, and I say this all the time, like you just said, there's jobs for everybody. Like there's a multi-pronged approach. Not everybody is an announcer. Not everybody is the shooter. Not everybody is, you know, even verbal, right? Like some people just can't talk to people. They should have never put me as greeter at the gap. I don't want to talk. To people like that, <laughs> I don't even. I got so many jokes on. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not the person. Don't put me at the front of your store. That's that's right. But even when you look at when you talk about your audience is conscious, right? So if we just deal with with New York and and, and these organizations are all over the nation, right? So I would say for people to one text fund peace to five one five five five. And that's F-U-N-D, fun, peace. Because we created a national coalition around how do we bring each, everybody together, right? Because mm-hmm. when you talk about the, the, the work that we did with the White House and getting resources to the ground, it is going to take people coming together. So when you look at, at my staff, a lot of them are credible messengers. They did 30 years, 16 years, 20 years behind the wall. And so they can connect with that shooter and get them to stop and put that gun down and think different, like we can't. Wait, does behind the wall mean in prison? Yes, behind the wall. And so, but the person from your audience, right, Mm -hmm. being conscious, they can come and do workshops with those brothers and sisters. Right. And help raise their consciousness more so that they can understand the bigger picture of, of Black folks in America, right? So at that same time, they are... They can elevate their own life because no, they don't need to stay at that one job forever, right? But in order to elevate, we need consciousness. And we all can't do everything. You can't build institutions and systems and teach people on the ground at the same time. And so um, let's work together. Find groups in your neighborhood, in your community, in your city, in your state, and let's build coalition. And let's find, and then there's some people on your Think that might be good at building coalitions, right? There's people good at raising money. There's people good, like we talked about when the beginning of things. There's people good at throwing the party because you can't just work, 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 and not release and have fun and 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 build that camaraderie with folks as well. And so everybody can come together in in each city, in each state, and work towards that collective goal and and, and around changing mindset changing the conditions in which we live in as a people, elevating our wealth gap or deleting the wealth gap and um, helping people heal from the trauma. 
now with violence, but oppression in America? Um, I want to read books to little kids. So if you know anyone that needs somebody to read books to little kids, let me know. Because um, with the way we work right now, um, we could read books to little kids without even being in the same room anymore. Listen, I did it for a class and I was like, as an announcer, this is my jam. Like this is, I get to perform while I'm reading the books. The kids, and by the way, kids have the best questions. Yes. Because they don't have, you know, they're not dealing with self-doubt and stuff in the same way. So they're just asking you real straight up, like, so do you like fish or dolphins or both? And you're like, well, um, I am a fan of both, but I will say I prefer dolphins. Why? (laughs) You know, what is your favorite color? Uh, pink. And then someone raises, well, my favorite color is orange. And I'm going to tell you why. My favorite color is orange because my mom, and they give a full explanation, and then someone else raised their hand and was like, I don't have a favorite color because I don't like limitations. (laughs) But I just was like, to add to the script, I think we all have to like sometimes just hone in on something or a skill that we have or something or a joy space that we have and how we can connect that to someone else who may not have access to that joy space. Right. So like for me, I love performing. I love reading. Like I love getting into that space. And so when, when people were telling me like, cause I had just started getting calls about reading books to kids. I didn't even know that was like a a thing that was needed, but I was like, Oh, well that's, that's a joy space for me. If I can bring that joy to somebody and it'll help move that along then let's do it and I think we forget sometimes in our own bubbles you know that like not everybody has access to like these things that we I'm not even gonna say we take it for granted I just think that we just don't realize that like that's something that somebody else may want and may not have access to no that's a fact and even in reading the books to the young people you not you in a particular but the teacher in that room the people in that room can begin to identify what the skill sets for those young people are, right? And and it's like, one of the things that that I try to to stray away from, and and I showed my staff this weekend, because like, you know, I'm Erica Ford, right? Erica Ford is like a thing, as you were saying. I mean, you have a day. Like we see it, like you have a proclamation behind you. What day is Erica Ford Day? April 8th. April 8th. And is it in Queen? Like, where is it specifically located? City. It's New York. City. City. <laughs> 212 718 DMX got a day in the state of New York. Like, he got the whole state because he's the dog. You know what I'm saying? There. There. Get at me, dog. <laughs> But when I was at the DMX the whole weekend, right, and my staff was with me, I said, one thing that you notice is that no job was too small for me. I would run. If the garbage was in the way, pick up the garbage. If people need to be exploited. I witnessed this of you. Yes. I moved the people in. People, chairs need to, whatever was needed. I didn't wait for somebody to give me the job assignment. I mm-hmm. saw a void and I went and filled it, Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's a skill set. I'm not going to put that on somebody else. That's a skill set that I have. Every single person's skill set 
is just as valuable to this process of liberation than the next person's skill set. Say it again. Say it again. Every single person's skill set is just as valuable as the next person's skill set in this process to liberation. The imbalance is, is society gives the money only to the one they define as relevant. And that's who, like you see on the TV or you see, you know, here and it. So young people think that that's what they got to do. That's what I got to achieve. No, what you like to do, what you do when nobody else is looking, what you will do all day and all night is what you need to do. And then how do we hone and harness that, right? Because from book reading to throwing a party, to shopping for the person, to walking up and down the street saying hello to people, right? Because how do you change mindset, right? You got to change mindset. And it comes from engaging with people. The police in our community are out, you know, they don't live in our community, not among our community, so they don't interconnect with our community, right? And that is a skill set. It is a thing. You have to be able to connect with people who you're going to save their life because you're looking and risking your life for someone you don't really care about. And that sometimes puts you in a space where I ain't doing that shit. I ain't doing that shit. Fuck that shit. Back, back. You know, and so you you have to, you know, these the, the police in New York City's the, the suicide rate has increased, right? And it's because they're dealing with their own fears and trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Trauma is not just in a group, it's everywhere, right? And if if I don't help heal your trauma and you deal with me every day, your trauma is going to interact and cause harm to me. Yes. We're going to coexist in this community. There's a process of uh, elimination, right? There's a process of transformation. Everything is not going to happen at one time. I have been dedicated to, to changing the mindsets of people since December 12, 1987, right? That's longer than some of these young, most of these young people who are leading this stuff now have been alive, right? And so I hear a lot of them say, like, we leading, we gonna do this. And you can't, I had that arrogance and ignorance when I first started to. And that's all it is, is arrogance and ignorance. I cannot step into a new space and think that I am the it for it all and nothing happened before me mm-hmm. because it is history that defines our future steps and people have to be be patient they have to learn they have to have self-discipline they have to release ego they have to release comparison they have to release judgment jealousy anger you know in order to be an, a heart leader and really lead people organize people be the voice of the people, work for the people, protest for the people, whatever you're doing for the people, you got to respect and love the people first and foremost. And that first person that you love is yourself. If you don't love yourself, you can't love somebody else. If you drunk and high all day, you can't do nothing but get in the way. And so 
you know, a lot of healing is necessary. A lot of healing is necessary on, on all sides of this equation as we move towards total transformation of a system that 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 bottlenecks us from breathing, right? It, it, it has its hand at our throat and we're getting fingers off. You know what I'm saying? We might mm-hmm. be... Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but it's still on our neck and we still can't breathe, right? And it's a process to make that happen. Well, I was going to end it there because you just delivered us a sermon. But I first, before we go, want to ask you this. You are such an effusive voice, right? Like you're on this podcast and like I've always known Erica has a beautiful, glorious gray Afro that you can see coming before she's even like (laughs) within earshot. Um, And But I feel like you have, and I don't know if this is by design, but I feel like you haven't positioned yourself as like a personality at the front of things. And I know we talked about, you know, Tamika, because Tamika has been a voice and and simultaneously worked as an organizer. But I'm curious to know why that hasn't, why you chose a different path than that. So it's it's difficult to do both, number one. Mm -hmm. It's difficult damn near impossible to be an organizer and and work and really make this work and be on these, because that's a whole job, being in that camera and, you know, that's a whole job. That's not, like how you said about the job with the, you know, in front of the store, I'm I'm not really that person that wants to go in front, because that means- No, it is a job. You have to be on. Yes, yes. Like even this, like I was- I had two ponytails in my hair and I was I was on a Zoom and organizing this. Somebody just got shot and I was trying to deal with that. And, you know, and and then I had to wait. I got to go do the, t- <laughs> you know. And, and so Rachel Nordlinger um, constantly uh, tells me, Erica, you got to, you got to be your voice and you got to use your voice because an elected official told me long time ago, if you weren't advocating for these folks, nothing would happen for them. They don't vote. They don't fund campaigns. They don't organize in the community. Like we would, nothing would happen to them. But you keep coming in our face, mm-hmm. all these young people, you know. Mm-hmm. So to really be about the, I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to, Nobody no, I know, but I, but I, I mean, and I ask you that not to incite messiness. That's not even where I'm at, where I'm coming from. I just know that like certain people don't like the camera, right? Like they're just like, that's not my bag. Like that's just not my place. It's valuable in this day and time because the only way you get support and resources is because people know you exist. And if you're not on social media or in any kind of light, then people don't know you exist. And you can't get the resources and support that you need. The last dose. Thank you so much, Erica. You are absolutely a thing. And for those who didn't know, now you know. Nigga. So I um I'm just so always just enthralled by your existence and by the work that you do and your consistency the consistency of your disposition by the way because you this what you're hearing y'all this is erica 
all the time. Like this oh, is not put on for the podcast. Um, and so I'm glad that we, you know, here at Small Doses could be a part of just expanding the visibility and awareness of Life Camp. And where can people learn more about Life Camp and the uh, other, um, what did you call it? Not an org, you- One piece text. So they can, for Life Camp, they can go to lifecampinc.com and for the- okay. National, depending on where they yes, are, yes, they can text fund peace to five one five five five, and and we have national meetings on Wednesday. They'll get the link. Uh, we have, you know, ways to connect people based on their skill set to different groups and different nation um, part of the nation. So fabulous. We'll keep it up, keep going. And I'm going to reach out to you too because I want to be able to. Uh, Talk about Life Camp on the next Smartphone and Black virtual show. So I'll be hitting you up. I'll be hitting you up. I told y'all. I told y'all. I told y'all. I told y'all. How? You know it's good when like you want to end it and then it's like, wait, but there's more to discuss. Like there's more gems. I told you, just a bastion of like information, of jokes, of love, just like all the things, all the things. Shout out to Erica for joining us. You know, she used the term uh, in the show where she said, you know, people have to be heart tellers. And I think we talk about a lot about truth tellers, but when she said heart tellers, that was like a different thing that I just feel like I need to sit with because it's like someone who's speaking from their heart. That's the way I interpreted it. And that's, and someone who's also like speaking to other people's hearts. And I know that in my own transition, uh, my growth and my process, you talked a lot about process. I know in my process as a person, I've, I've really been working harder to be more of a heart teller in my truth telling. And it's not always easy because it does require a certain level of vulnerability and a certain level of extra effort to just even be conscious of other people's hearts in ways that they're not of their own. Um, but nonetheless, it ends up being valuable for the just basic reason of it's, it feels good. On top of that, there's also value added to the fact that you know that you are putting your best foot forward for your community and you know that you're existing in a space that is a high vibration, which ultimately will attract other high vibration folks and energies. And that always is good for your community because you're attracting high vibrations to your community. So thank you to Erica Ford for joining us. Remember, you can um, text fund peace that's f-u-n-d as in dog peace p-e-a-c-e to 515 i believe that's the number and you also can check out lifecampinc.org to learn more about her organization and again like she said in the script you don't have to look to you know who's in the highest positions of visibility in terms of organizations to know who can be the most helpful sometimes it's the ones who are right within earshot of where you are right now that are going to be the most effective ways for you to be effective in change. A podcast network. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.